0: It's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming home. It's coming home, it's coming home.
1: It's coming home. I've been listening to Vindaloo a lot. Oh, mm. should that have been the song of choice this episode? Mm. Do you like v- Vindaloo? I like both. Me me and dad and me nan. What and a, a, a bucket of Vindaloo. All the songs are good, to be honest, but I do find that I went to the England game on Sunday in Brixton in a pub, and I did find I kind of, like, held my hands like I was in a choir, (laughs) (laughs) accentuated some of the, like, it's coming home, (laughs) vindaloo, (laughs) Um, yeah, which... Maybe... I don't know if everybody else really puts their heart and soul into the songs like I do. Yeah, you, you anyway, try very hard for it, don't you? I go for it. I've been practising. <laughs> Ellie's brothers set up a sweepstake. And yeah. I have the joy of having North Macedon- Macedonia. Macad- Macedonia. Macedonia. <laughs> <which laughs> I always want to say Macedonia. I think that's right. Like Macedonian Now nut. I feel like it's wrong because I've said it to so many no, times. No, you're not. Will's corrected me before, but oh, it's just no. not stuck. Yeah. I've got England! Woo! Have you have you actually got England? Yeah, enriches one and then at work one I've got Russia. Oh my god, that's actually <laughs> rigged. <laughs> You've got England. I was actually yeah. thinking today, who's got England? I wonder. Me. Will's got Portugal. Yeah, I know. When I saw that, I was like, great. Yeah. He's owned Half it. the winnings, please. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> but it's summer, the football's on everybody's happy down the pub yeah. to celebrate we have a summer bonanza in store bonanza. Today. but before we go into that ellie do you want to just set the scene for any new listeners who are coming on board? <laughs> probably loads of them uh, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is all about innovation which includes science technology and social enterprise don't forget to like follow and subscribe from wherever you're listening from and follow us on instagram this episode is all about getting you ready for summer think going on the beach what do you need flip-flops think going in the sea what do i need swimsuit think sitting on the beach (laughs) can a cocktail fresh (laughs) fresh and juicy (laughs) (laughs) we have got all three in store for you today for the first time ever on That Bright Idea with three interviews in one. A hat trick! <laughs> so, settle in and listen up. Here we go. So, first of all, we have got Luke from Seasense Flip Flops who's going to tell us all about the only flip-flop company in the world that produced a biodegradable flip-flop from whose profits go to prevent one million plastic bottles per year from entering our oceans. Welcome to the podcast, Luke.
2: Hi, yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for coming. So before we start, I just want to know a bit about you. So I've come up with a little quiz called Sea Sense or Nonsense.
2: Okie dokie. So the okay. first
1: one is stand-up paddleboarding, Sea Sense or Nonsense.
2: I tried it once for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Sea Sense, I like it.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And the word thongs for flip-flops.
2: I don't, I don't want to kind of put off any Australian people listening, so I'm going to say sea sense.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so do you want to start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your background?
2: Mm. Yeah, of course. So my initial interest, I suppose, in all things marine, before uni, I went to work in Madagascar for a few months. I was working on a coral reef restoration project and i kind of fell in love with all things fishy uh it all kind of started <laughs> when i was super young because i i watched jaws and i fell in love with sharks so i thought about doing like having a career in, in, with fish and, and things like that but went to madagascar and that kind of sealed the deal so i went to uni and, and did marine geography and then i did a master's in uh, marine biodiversity conservation and then I started working for kind of small NGOs, working on marine protected areas, looking after whales, dolphins, quarries, sharks, uh, and kind of had the the fortunate pleasure to work in some incredible places. And I've just been kind of committed to to doing something good for the oceans um, for for a long, long time. And 12 years ago, um, I really started to take an interest in plastic pollution. And so ever since then, I've been doing all I possibly can to kind of campaign to stop plastic pollution. And as well as kind of uh, anti-captivity campaigning, I, I basically kind of, want to help all I can but uh, the, the plastic pollution thing is something that's kind of stayed the course for the last kind of let's say like 11-12 years it's something I've been really committed to and I've uh, been doing everything I possibly can to, to make a difference with.
1: Wow sounds like you've been everywhere as well doing I've, it.
2: I've, <laughs> trying to trying to whilst also keeping my carbon footprint down so oh
1: yeah of course yeah. <laughs> uh, so can you just describe to us what Sense is
2: Seasense flip-flops are a 100% biodegradable, plastic-free flip-flop. So they're made from uh, natural rubber, uh, from ethically farmed rubber trees in Vietnam. Uh, None of the trees ever chopped down. Basically, the rubber is milked from the trees, so they're a completely sustainable uh, material. And with the profits that we get from selling the flip-flops, we fund... Grassroots organizations around the world, uh, which then employ plastic collectors to collect plastic bottles, plastic debris, anything from some of the most polluted rivers and waterways in the world. So it works out that for every pair of flip flops that you buy, um, it's the equivalent of paying the wage for someone to collect the equivalent of 500 plastic bottles. Really? So, yeah, so not only do you not put any plastic into the ecosystem through buying our flip-flops so you're, you're kind of ext- like trading in your old plastic ones for for something that will break down naturally but also you're preventing plastic from entering oceans in the first place and you're providing a really vital wage for, for some people um, in some of the poorest countries in the world so it's like a circular thing um and um yeah we're, we're, we're really pleased with it
1: fantastic so i've got a few questions around this yeah firstly You said the natural rubber is biodegradable. How does it biodegrade and how quickly? Uh,
2: The way I like to explain it is if you were to throw a log in a river, so um, obviously there's that mass uh, of the wood in the river, but uh, eventually it does break down is kind of a, um, a natural thing so the same with our flip-flops um, ideally uh, well there's two things ideally you can compost it in a compost in your back garden and then it it should start to break down considerably after around 24 weeks so it shouldn't take too too long so about six months it'll start to break down but also once you're finished with them send them back to us and we have got okay, a relationship nice. with. A, uh, a company that breaks down rubber into mulch which which is then used on the flooring in children's playgrounds so oh, okay
1: um, so you're repurposing it
2: yes yeah because it's um the only reason that you would ever stop wearing them is if you've worn them down to like a flimsy little kind of nubbin and, and you want to get rid of them so um even if they are in, in, in a bit of a, in a bit of a mess no matter how many miles you've walked in them you can use them to to stop little kids kind of Bumping their heads when they fall off the swing. So, um, so, so there is that kind of alternative.
1: Okay, so because they take quite a while to compost, that means they're more durable as the actual flip-flops, they won't wear out very quickly or randomly degrade.
2: No, 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 yeah, they, they, they won't come apart on your feet. Um, and they are really, because of the elasticity of the natural rubber, they're actually uh, kind of more durable than your normal flip-flops. So, so basically, um, like, they're so super stretchy, and they're really elastic, so they actually last longer, because the, the, the big problem is... Is blowouts like the the toe plug will always fall out, or, yeah. or something will snap, or that they start falling apart like bits kind of come off the ends of them and stuff like that. So, because they're so durable and elastic, um, they actually do last longer than normal flip flops, so they're not going to disintegrate on your feet.
1: Okay, that's good. So, the profits go to collecting marine plastic, so I guess you're funding local people giving them jobs, what are they doing with the plastic that they collect?
2: Most of the plastic uh, flows into our oceans from, uh, just it's just a handful of rivers uh, in Africa and Asia. That's where most of the plastic comes from.
1: What, globally?
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, globally. So um, the idea with these people that are working uh, for these grassroots organizations is that we give a value to the plastic. So yeah. um, they collect them up and then they take them to plastic banks uh, which then basically chop them down, turn them into nurdles and, and different kind of materials that can then be reused. Okay. It's, it's the idea that uh, it's a circular economy and there's also money made by these plastic banks because they charge companies a premium, a higher price to be able to buy this plastic to then use in future products. We need to get away from the single-use plastic that's kind of like shopping bags that are used for seven seconds on average, that that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and also producing it still, which is using oil when there's plenty already around. Exactly, exactly.
2: (laughs) And it's it's a big thing with climate change because 4% of all greenhouse gases that, that are let off into the atmosphere are from the actual making of plastics and 4% of fossil fuels used is actually uh, for refining plastics. So if you think about that huge chunk, and that's something that you're avoiding by recycling.
1: Yeah, cool. So your profits go to paying these people to collect the plastic, then, yeah. do these companies using the plastic they collect pay the people as well, or do they just take the plastic and then make money from selling the plastic on?
2: Yeah, so um, so basically, the way it works is that the money that we're sending goes to the people, goes to like the, the these plastic banks. So they are the charities in themselves, and so they'll employ the people to go out and collect the plastic to then take it to them, who will then also sell it to companies and then use that money for providing the local area with uh, medical resources, educational supplies, all that sort of thing. So it's a really nice kind of uh, way of helping whole communities kind of get out of poverty. So yeah, it's a really nice system.
1: (laughs) Cool. So what inspired you to first set it up?
2: The big thing for me was wherever I've been in the world, um, I've always seen flip-flops. So whether it's um, on beaches or whether it's uh, out in the middle of the ocean, there's always gonna be a flip-flop floating around. I never really thought about it too much. I was like, oh, someone's lost their shoe. But then you see, uh, <laughs> but then you see on a beach, you, you, like, like hundreds of them all washed up. So- um, Really?
1: Where have you seen that?
2: uh well so there is a huge problem in um in indonesia uh, I, I was speaking to a, a, a lady called shan she works on the gili islands like the conservation trust oh, over there, there over in, yeah so gili trawangan she works on and and she said like that they, they pick up hundreds and hundreds of flip flops every day it all gets washed up really? on the gilis yeah it's a, it's a it's a really big problem so i started digging into like why are there so many so uh, flip-flops are the, the world's most popular shoe um i didn't i didn't realize that but when you think about it it's, it's they're, they're very cheap uh and they're very kind of uh easy to to kind of throw away and buy new ones three billion pairs get sold every year which blew my mind <laughs> yeah yeah so then i thought why not use the world's most popular shoe to try and help solve one of the world's biggest problems so then it kind yeah. of it kind of escalated from there, and I saw what else was out there, and, and no one was doing exactly what I wanted to do. So a lot of a lot of companies are using kind of uh plastic that they've that they've got from ocean pollution that they've kind of re like
1: yeah repurposed
2: yeah. And I thought, well, that, that's all well and good, but what are the chances that that flip flop will eventually end up in the sea again? Um yeah. and so. <laughs> So I just thought, right, let's do something with a biodegradable material and then let's use the profits to stop the plastic getting into the oceans in the first place.
1: Cool. So if one of your flip-flops does end up in the sea, does it degrade in the salt water or...? Not?
2: It, it takes uh, It takes a lot longer. It can take up to a couple of years, okay. but the key is that it doesn't release any microplastics. And it doesn't release any harmful toxins. Again, it's that it's that uh, idea. If if you kind of threw a log into the water, like it would just yeah. eventually break down. No nasties are kind of going to come out of it. It just ends up just being an extra mass.
1: So, why is this whole project important to you?
2: I kind of spend my life in flip flops. Um, I, I find oh. them to be. I, I find them to be like the the best. Like even like middle of winter. Um, I, I, I just. <laughs> I, I just seem to. I always what, seem In to, the
1: UK. Yeah,
2: I, I don't know why they're just like the, the, the most comfortable things to wear. And I thought there must be loads of people like me that just love flip-flops, live in them like year, year round. And um, why not come up with uh, an alternative? Because um, it's all about offering alternatives that like people might not um, necessarily pick them. But it's, it's the idea that people do can think about. Um, there are alternatives if there are alternatives to flip-flops there must be alternatives to simpler things than that and it's kind of like people thinking about different things so yeah I I, I love flip-flops I hate plastics and, and and now I've got flip-flops for life
1: <laughs>
2: very, very cold feet in the winter
1: yeah and because they're more durable then you only need one pair for I don't know how long they last five ten years instead of like people buying the two pound Primark ones where they break within like a couple of weeks and then you buy more yes
2: yes yeah and, and, <laughs> and it's also it's also the fact you mentioned Primark and like fast fashion is, is a real kind of issue uh, and so yeah. when we were uh, looking into where we were going to manufacture uh, the flip-flops like the, the the working conditions and fair labor and fair pay and and all that sort of thing um, was a big thing on our radar so we, 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 yeah. we spoke to lots of different manufacturers and, 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 and worked out who was gonna be the best and who was gonna be the most ethical. Um, and cool. we, we've been endorsed by PETA as a, a, uh, an officially vegan product, which is quite nice. So we've got their kind of stamp of approval, which was quite good.
1: Nice. So made in Hong Kong, where are you selling them? Everywhere or just the UK? Everywhere.
2: So we want to, we want to, we want to, Get out to as many people as possible because we want to give people the opportunity to be able to make a difference. And uh, what we're doing to encourage uh, people from overseas to to buy them is that we are um, we're officially a climate positive company. So not only do we oh, cover, we, nice. we, we don't just cover off the uh, the kind of carbon footprint from transporting it from from where it's made to here, but also we. Um, we cover the carbon used to actually send it out to our customers. So we don't just cover off our carbon footprint. We kind of throw in a bit more so that we're a carbon positive company.
1: It's been great chatting to you. So cool to see alternative solutions to plastic products and a company that's investing their profits for good. Thanks thanks for coming on the pod.
2: No, thank you for for having me. And uh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot.
1: so great listening to luke and really good idea for a product i've actually already bought mine on the kickstarter campaign hey guess what color pink yeah (laughs) (laughs) next up thinking of swimming this summer here we speak to juliet the founder of a sustainable swimwear company
0: called ulu swim and surf take it away juliet Hey Juliet, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm super oh. excited to chat today. No,
1: great to have you. I'm so glad that our mutual friend, Phoebe, put us in touch.
0: Yeah, and it's it's um, really great that you know Phoebe because she was actually one of my models. i asked her for oh. all of the feedback. So really leveraging all of my friends and families. All the yeah, all the contacts. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for having me today. Yay! And how have you been? How's your day been? It's been good, it's been busy. So, of course I am a fa- the founder of Ulu Swim and Surf, but I do have a day job, so I do that. Hopefully we'll fit the gym in, so action oh, pass.
1: <laughs> yeah, back to back. And so tell us about Ulu Swim and Surf. Where do we even start? How did you come to be doing that alongside your, your current job? Well, that's
0: a good question. I guess it all started around this time last year. I actually quit my job back in February 2020 to go traveling unfortunately Covid hit so I came back (laughs) picked off where I'd left off but then I did eventually go back out um, backpacking this time around Europe which isn't quite so glamorous but it was awesome and (laughs) I went to a surf camp in Portugal and that was where I had my idea so that's where it all started really Oh, so what was it about the surf camp
1: that made you think,
0: hmm, I'm gonna set this up? Well, I always wanted to set my own business up, but I had no idea where to start. And when I was in Portugal, I was surfing and I realized that I packed the completely wrong things. I was a <laughs> first time surfer, had no idea what I was getting into. And I packed my nicest swimming costumes, which in hindsight was an absolute error. Um, They didn't fit under a wetsuit or they were made of really nice material, which was getting damaged or they were white. Again, very impractical. So I was like, right, well, I'm going to try and find some swimming costumes that I can actually wear. And they were so expensive. And I noticed as well, if I was going in the men's side of Roxy or Quicksilver, they had great board shorts and loads of functional surfing gear swimming wear etc and I went into the female side and it was fashion related like underwires or ties at the front or really skimpy bottoms and I was thinking this also isn't going to work for me surfing wise and none of it was sustainable so I was kind of thinking Mm. I think I found a business idea there's definitely a gap in the market and here we are five months later yeah yeah, that's really cool and
1: also so nice as well buying something when you know it isn't contributing to some of the pollution that other swimwear companies might do so what are the distinct differences from a sustainability aspect for your swimming costumes
0: yeah absolutely i think because sustainability was so important to me and i didn't want to just be another brand producing yet more clothes contributing to the pollution and waste and exploitation and um, within the fashion industry so Sustainability has been at the heart of my business from day one. Firstly, it started with fabric. So for me, it was really important that my fabric was sustainable. And I did a lot of research into that because yes, it has to be sustainable, but it also has to be a good fabric for a swimming costume. And you want it to be really nice, really well fitting, you don't want it to be easily damaged. So I ended up choosing. Two fabrics, one is from Reprieve, which is really well known in the fashion industry for performance materials and recycled fabric. And the other is from a company called Carkivo, which uses econin, another really well-known term in the fashion industry. Econin is a yarn made out of regenerated plastic waste. So oh, both cool. of those fabrics are performance fabrics, yet yeah, are 100% recycled, which is amazing.
1: Ah, that's cool. So you don't create anything new. It's all something that's been made for something else before, and then now it's got a new lease of life. And why do you think people listening should care about this area? Because I guess some people might have never really thought, like,
0: oh, actually, this is this is not sustainable. This is an area where I can make a change. Yeah, I think that's a really great question because actually. The way that we shop and our purchasing decisions can have a huge impact on the planet both in a positive way and a negative way so you know investing money on fast fashion wearing it for one season that's really damaging but if people have more positive shopping habits and actually when they come to make a purchase decision decide to invest into a sustainable brand that's actually going to force other companies who don't adhere to those standards to change their behaviour and change the way they work. So being careful about where you put your money have a really big impact.
1: Yeah, so do you think that your your swimwear designed to be quite long-lasting?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I talked a little bit about the performance fabric. So in terms of the qualities of the fabric, it's double-lined, so it's it's really strong. It's not just one layer of fabric, um, which would wear out, get a whole stretch easily. It's also really stretchy, so again, it won't bag, and it's also anti pilling. So, you know how you get those jumpers and they get really annoying bobbles? The, yeah, this fabric won't do that. So if you do um, go surfing or you do sit on a on a beach and it's it's a bit rough, then you won't get your fabric to be damaged, which again, so that's kind of the durability of the fabric, but also. What I wanted to do is make my designs timeless and classic so that they don't go out of style. So you're not gonna come to me and find something that's just off the runway or the latest thing you've seen on social media, but you're gonna find timeless classical designs that suit lots of different body shapes. So the idea is this is going to last you for many, many years. We are encouraging you to keep it and wear it's, you know, season on season, because it will last and it will stand that test of time.
1: Oh, so interesting how much thought's gone into it. And the other thing I'm thinking is, how do you know all of this? My <laughs> mind's
0: blown. <laughs> well, I have to say I've been really fortunate in the jobs that I have had and the education that I've had through uni, but also from amazing mentors throughout my career. Now that doesn't mean it hasn't been a really steep learning curve. and. I've had to do a lot of research online. I've actually leveraged my friends, family and so on for all of their opinions. Just mm. one example of this is I was sat down. And I was thinking, packaging, that can't be that difficult. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and so at first I was like, right, OK, I'm going to buy this really nice, sustainable box. And it's going to be 100% recycled. We use water-based inks. And I was doing some research. Okay, I could actually use a recycled bag as well. Or actually, there's a really nice bag that's compostable. So I put this question onto my girls' WhatsApp group. And I was like, girls, what do you think? Can I have your feedback? And that opened up so many questions and so many thoughts that I hadn't even crossed my mind. So in the end, we've got this beautiful turquoise compostable bag that your product shipped in. I went for that choice because actually you're you're correctly correct in saying where on earth do you store this the the current answer is in my um airing cupboard in my wardrobe (laughs) under my bed and behind my sofa so (laughs) storing 400 cardboard boxes to package my items up when i already have lots of stock in my house wasn't really an option and also i felt we're all busy we're all getting back to normal actually the most convenient thing for a customer is to have it posted straight through their letterbox and yeah, that's true you don't want it sitting outside and then i also thought with the box that uh, if it sits outside it's going to get wet because we live in england so i'd have yeah. to put the item in a bag anyway so i was like right well do i put it in a bag or a bag in a box
1: yeah i love that and are there any other areas
0: that you've got in mind with regards to sustainability Yeah I'd say the only other thing that I'm really actively looking at is the hygiene liners. So at the moment the only bit of plastic that is in this product is the hygiene liners and I've looked into non-plastic alternatives and unfortunately they stained the item, they they stained the garment, they didn't hold their colour very well. So Mm. I felt that whilst it's not ideal and I'm going to continue to try and look for non-plastic liners it's really important to have for a hygiene perspective and also no one wants a mark on the bottom of yeah. your suit. so
1: yeah.
0: that's sort of the work in progress and again I've been really transparent about this on my website because if someone comes onto my website I want them to be able to trust me and say actually they are doing a really good job and I also want them to say maybe I'll just email them and I've got a really great idea for a hygiene liner that you yeah. haven't thought of. So I really want people to question me and challenge me and share their ideas because I'm looking for any alternative. If I can make any part of my supply chain more sustainable, like please let me know because yeah. that's the goal of the brand really.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, and then final question was how much are they? So if
0: someone wanted to buy
1: one, where do they go and how much are they?
0: To keep that cost as low as possible, um, we, you can shop on our website. And on our social channels, all of our pictures are linked to the products and you can shop Ah. the catalog from Instagram as well and Facebook. So those are the two channels. They cost 65 pounds for a swimsuit and also 65 pounds for a full bikini set. So affordability was really, really important to me. Now I'm never going to be a fast fashion retailer and be able to have teeny tiny prices. Um, first of all that's not sustainable it's promoting that culture of waste buy now dispose you just don't care about it but also sustainable fabrics are expensive paying your workers is expensive it's so important but big brands always try and push the cost down by not paying their workers and frankly that is not a strategy that I want to go afterwards and also you know making sure that I've offset my carbon as well what you're getting is this I like to say like it's 99% sustainable item and it's gonna last you. So think about it in terms of the cost per wear rather than just what's on the price tag.
1: Amazing, thank you so much for your time. I am so excited about these swimsuits. And I think we're gonna be talking about it in a very timely manner since it will be summer when this goes out. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Juliet. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was actually so fun. Yay, cool so much thought gone into every detail especially the packaging you can check out ulu swim and surf on instagram that's u l u swim and surf and finally to wrap up the bonanza episode which i can't believe it's nearly over i actually have an old an old university connection on the podcast, Callum Hudson, who is talking about his business that he set up during the pandemic. And let's just say, this one's gonna be refreshing.
3: Hey.
1: Hello. Hello, hey Callum, it's Rhiannon. Hi, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? I'm with Ellie, who I do the podcast with. I'm visiting her at the moment. Hi. Hi. I um, went to Cardiff as well. <laughs> yeah, Ellie went Wait, to Cardiff too. Oh, nice. Yeah, Cardiff group. I'm currently in Oban with Ellie at the moment, which is like, I don't know if you've been to Oban, west coast of Scotland.
3: And, and Oban, Scotland. Yeah. yeah.
1: Wow. <laughs> So I'm there at the moment um, and Ellie's doing a PhD here. Yeah. So Callum, tell us about your cocktails.
3: So uh, my brand's called Isles. Um, Mm. We make a small range of premium canned cocktails. Um, So I've got two in the range. They're both um, original recipes, so they're not like replicating
1: classics
3: or cocktails that you already know. Um, so, I designed, uh, I designed cocktails myself, and uh, one is called the Bittersweet, which is a uh, raspberry and rhubarb uh, bittersweet spritz, and then the other yeah. one's called the Refresher,
1: um,
3: which is a elderflower and apple um, uh, gin spritz. Oh,
1: those um, sound well. divine. So
3: those, those are the two drinks. They... Um, they're both like nice and low in calories, so they're less than 95 mm-hmm. calories per can. Um, and they're made from uh, a host of award winning ingredients, um, and they're designed to be not too sweet. And so, yeah.
1: That's great. What's your background? How did you come to be doing cocktail cans and create this business?
3: So, I've had a bit of a, like, uh, a weekly route, really. Obviously, did be at Cardiff with you. And then I left, I took a job at a hotel called the Pig Hotel. I did that for a little bit, um, picked up loads of knowledge about making cocktails, balancing ingredients of what makes a good cocktail. And then I left and went and joined the drinks brand. So yeah, and then pandemic hit and I'd always wanted to start my own business. So I took the chance and I launched Isles in October of last year.
1: Nice. Yeah. What a journey. So in what way are aisles sustainable? Yeah, so
3: it's very much a a work in progress. I think it's really difficult when you're a small brand to make sure that everything you do is is as sustainable as it could be. Uh, A goal of mine is to be completely plastic-free by the end of the year. So our new labels that should be going on can soon are made out of a a polymer which is biodegradable. Oh, that's good. And we're gonna to move to using paper
1: tape and all our e-commerce boxes are gonna be either recyclable
3: or recycled. Yeah, so, awesome. Yeah, and there's, a, there's a, a few other bits really, like all our ingredients are sourced within 50 miles of, uh, of production, so really low sort of food mileage, as it were.
1: Oh yeah, very British um, ingredients in there. Yeah. Rhubarb and elderflower.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and the and the gin as well. The distillery we work with use the botanicals to fertilise the next lot of botanicals. If that makes sense. But once they've been through the still and then pulled out and then sent back to the farm where they where they came from ultimately, and used as compost. Oh,
1: great. To Delicious. Yeah. I can just imagine it on a sunny day. <laughs> no heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rules are easing. <laughs> Crack out your aisles can. Yeah. Nice. How can we buy them? Are they online or are they in shops?
3: Yeah, so um they are online. Uh You can grab them on Amazon as well, and then you can also get them on delivery through Burger and lobster restaurant. Oh group.
1: cool! That's cool nice right, so you're yeah. making me fancy a gin now yeah <laughs> so you do you know you can like you could say all the ingredients that are in the the can it's like all completely you know when you're sometimes like i don't know half of yeah, yeah. transparent that's it, it
3: exactly so it's just and, and being and sourcing everything from within 50 miles um mm. it's, it's pretty amazing considering how many ingredients i've actually got in there and so yeah it's, it's quite
0: cool really yeah
1: Ooh.
3: Are they fizzy
1: it. or flat?
3: Yeah, they're, they're sort of lightly sparkling. Oh. Um, they're, they're nowhere near as sparkling as a Coke or anything like that. Um, but mm, kind cool. of like sparkling, sparkling water level of sparkling, i think. Yeah. Subtle Like but an
1: elderflower press. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: no, yeah, exactly that. Elderflower <laughs> press, they <element>.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, it's been great chatting to you, Callum, and great to speak to someone who I... New Via Uni and yeah. have have a old connection on the pod. <laughs> and yeah, we're okay. gonna go and have a gin after this. Yeah. And hope that people listening go and get themselves an aisles. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. Thanks for coming thanks on, so for Thanks. Thanks,
3: thanks so much.
1: Oh, so nice to talk someone from Cardiff and they sound delicious. I love the sound of the elderflower one so that's all we have time for today oh i love the bonanza thanks for listening and don't forget to check us out again in two weeks time